Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right. Uh, great year, 2021. Um, 500 years ago, Martin Luther uh, spoke at the Diet of Worms. It was a council that the Catholic Church called to investigate the claims of Luther and ultimately call him to recant because he was preaching doctrines that were contrary to uh, the Roman Catholic Church, doctrines like sola fide, sola gratia, solus Christus, and um Essentially, we are saved by by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And this came into conflict with Roman Catholic teaching. And so they called him to recant. And he gave one of the famous speeches in all of human history. He says, I neither can nor will retract anything, for it can, for it is neither safe nor right for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about the issues of conscience the last couple of days. We've kind of defined what a conscience is. Uh, we've talked about the importance of it. What do you do if your conscience condemns you? So today, um, let's just ask, what has the church historically said about the conscience? Is there a, a chapter, perhaps, in a confession somewhere uh, that would, would give <laughs> us... A, a good setup uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> Who would know? Uh, would give us, like, you know, the church's teaching on the conscience. Yeah, um, and we've we've quoted uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith about liberty of conscience. Uh, it's chapter twenty in the Westminster Confession. It was written in the sixteen forties, and uh, still uh, one of the greatest statements of Christian faith and doctrine um, in uh, in in all of history. Um, and it begins, the Westminster Confession begins with liberty of conscience, and then chapter 2, I mean paragraph 2 in chapter 20, says, God alone is Lord of the conscience, and hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men. Wow. Yes. Um, and that, that is uh, a, a restatement of uh, what Luther said of Worms. That it's about that the liberty of the Christian con- conscience. God hath left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men. But then it goes on, which are in anything contrary to His Word, or beside it in matters of faith or worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, uh, our conscience is captive to the Word of God, yeah. and uh, which is something bigger than us. So when the Westminster Confession talks about conscience, it's not talking about some subjective inner feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not talking about my preferences or um, my my internal opinions or feelings about what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the great philosopher Jiminy Cricket said, let your conscience be your guide. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. the question is, what's going what's gonna to guide your conscience? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, there's a half truth in what he said. There's a half truth in what he said, and, half, and, and a half lie, and a half lie. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyway, um, Westminster, Westminster Confession, our our conscience is captive to the Word of God. Uh, it's our conscience is free from the doctrines and commandments of men, which isn't anything contrary to His Word. In other mm-hmm. in other words. My conscience is captive to the word of God, and that I must obey. But not because a person outs, not because anyone imposes that on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if conscience is to function, conscience, and this is something where this is where Luther stood, that the individual conscience is inviolable, and uh, now there's dangers in that. And uh, this has been the Roman Catholic argument against Protestantism ever since the Reformation. Well, you're just creating chaos. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And there is that danger if, if we move away from And the Reformers the actually recognized that. And you the, know, wasn't, yes. They were not unaware that you know, now they wouldn't have a um, blueprint to put on everything. Uh, that certain people would act in different ways, and you know what is what was what I enjoy about the Westminster Confession. It, they're tying it back to our worship of God. Uh, this is not just the, in the, in this particular chapter. First of all, they free us from the from the guilt of sin, the punishment of sin. You know, the, the, you know the, that's what we're free from. It's it's talking about our freedom in Christ there, mm-hmm. and then it, and then it goes on to talk about how it uh, operates within the worship of of God so that you know we you know we're reminded that uh, in that chapter if I can find it real quickly here um, you know that it's free from doctrines and commandments of men which are anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith or worship so as as we are practicing that faith as we are worshiping God um, we're free from external impositions, uh, you know, that are outside of the Word of God. You know, there are a lot of things that, you know, we, we, we've talked about this, um, you know, when we talk about worship, how we're to worship God. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some places you might go in uh, to church where you are being, um, your conscience is being bound about what you're supposed to do at certain times. You know, where we're all told either to raise our hands or we're all told to kneel on the floor or we're, you know, these are contrary to the Word of God. Mm. And I, my conscience is free from that kind of commandment. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why that's why Reformed worship is a simple worship. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's right. not bound up in all these different externals. This is what, so th- I would say this is where it gets a little messy. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. Romans 14... The, the two issues that, that Paul brings to the fore in terms of his examples is some people eat vegetables only, some people eat meat, some people esteem one day more than another, some people esteem all days alike. And he ties – so it's not as if these are their preferences. Paul is, is laying the argument on his terms. See, and that's he's why saying, I'm not a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> it's Paul, right there in Romans 14. <laughs> right. Paul, Paul is very clear that the reason why said person is eating vegetables – or said person esteems these days is because they think that's what the Lord requires of them. It's so clear. So Romans 14, verse um, 6, the one who observes the day 
observes it in honor of the Lord. So he thinks that mm -hmm. the Lord is directing him in his word to to honor him by esteeming one day over the other. He, he says the same thing about eating. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. So he, he, here's where um, somebody's they're, wrong here. They're both acts of worship. They're, they're both acts of worship, even mm -hmm. though one mm -hmm. person's conscience is misinformed. And so mm -hmm. one of the principles of conscience is at least and we can clarify this, but obeying your misinformed conscience is obedience to the Lord in, in this case. Right. And, and yeah. uh, what we need to understand is he's actually addressing Christians here. And, uh, you yes. know, those that are that uh, those have put their faith in Christ and are trying to live uh, according to the, the dictates of. Of, of the word of God and their understanding of it. Right. So this is not just this. This actually is an argument within the church. Yep. Yeah. Um, when when and when Paul says, you know, some esteem one day over another, um, that, that makes me think of I, I I know I personally know some Reformed Christians who don't believe in celebrating Christmas. Or Easter. Are you giving me the stink eye? Yeah. No. Him, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not me. He's yeah. Phil's not talking about me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and and I know, and I I respect that. Um, if if somebody really feels a conviction, and and the reason being that uh, there the the Bible says nothing about celebrating the birth of Jesus, um, and particularly it doesn't give us a date. Uh, the Bible doesn't say Jesus was born on December 25th and, uh, the Bible says nothing about celebrating one day a year and calling it Easter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I know some reformed Christians who don't believe that Christians should, uh, celebrate those holidays and that's fine. I don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. um, but it, that's a, a personal matter of conscience to them. Where and they should it, obey it. And they should it, obey their conscience, absolutely. Yeah. But where they step over the line is when they tell me that I should not, and, yeah. and I've, <laughs> I've had some dear friends say this to me, yeah. that, uh, that I should not celebrate Christmas. My yeah. church should not celebrate Christmas. Uh, or Easter, right. or yeah. Good Friday, yeah. or or any other uh, holiday of the traditional church year. Can, can we tease this out a little bit? Um, so, so if let's just say for the sake of argument, your friends are totally wrong about being persuaded that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. Let's say they're objectively wrong. If they disobey their misinformed conscience, it's sin for them. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's right. that's what that's the case that Paul the Paul makes right. That's one of the principles. For yeah. there's nothing unclean in and of itself, but to the person who thinks it's unclean, yeah. it is unclean. Well, that's what that's what it says in Romans uh, fourteen seven. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So that then, whether we live or die, we are the Lord. So he's making the point. You're you're acting not just simply for yourself. You're acting before God as you think He um, expects you to act. And whether it's uh, you know celebrating a holiday uh, you know in the church, or whether I mean there's a whole range of of um, you know worship styles you might say, or worship uh, things that inform people in worship. For instance, there's some. 
um, believers that don't believe that you can sing anything but a psalm. Um, you know, you don't sing a hymn, you only sing a psalm, or you only, uh, or there's no instrumentation even. Right. You know, that is, is that's allowed. a great. That's a great example. And and since their conscience is bound to that, since they believe the word of God is saying that, right, then they're obligated to right. continue that. And, and that I think that sounds like relativism to some people, like. <laughs> Do you, have you have you felt that objection before? Well, that that sounds sure, like relativism. Sure, and this is one of those this is one of those situations that calls for wisdom, and, and there's no set rule. And in Romans 14, that's what Paul is doing. He's applying wisdom. And really, what we need to do with an individual where we're we have differences of of opinion on that, we need to have them put their finger in the text. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about where is this communicated in God's word? Yeah. How do we come to those conclusions? Because you know, you know, not as Westminster says, not everything is uh, is is plain uh, to itself. There are some things that are difficult that we right. have to, uh, you know, that we learn by discerning the word of God. We, you know, by um, you know, comparing scripture with scripture. Yeah. And so we need to ask people to put their finger in the text, help us to draw the, you know, so that we're not just simply condemning them for their choice, but helping them see how the how the Bible informs that. And have they considered all of Scripture or just, you know, we, we talk about sola Scripture. We need to always talk about tota Scripture, yeah. all of Scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the difference to answer your question is a relativist doesn't think there's truth. But somebody who understands Romans 14 knows that on both sides of this question, whatever the question is, there is a right answer. And so, Phil, for that person, it's okay for them to argue the case and say, this is why, just like you would want to argue the same back. But in the end, the conscience has to be respected. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you've missed these broadcasts, just subscribe to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.